Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. Well, it's my pleasure today to welcome back Pastor Mike. Let's give Pastor Mike a hand as he comes up. Come on. Pastor Mike has a story that I'm not going to tell, but it's very similar and one that resonates with this church. This man has been set free, delivered forever by the power of Jesus. This man preaches the gospel with his wife, and they, they are setting out to be evangelists and minister to churches, to homes, to recovery, everything that, that, that this man has been touched by. God has redeemed it and is using it for good, and he has a word for us today. And we're really excited to welcome. Let's give him a warm city reach welcome to Pastor Mike. I'm sure it's on, right? All right, hey, good morning, City Reach. How are we doing? All right. If you guys could cut the live stream for a second, I would say this is my favorite place to preach in Maryland. In Cumberland. Let's say in Cumberland. Might get myself in trouble here. But hey, I'm excited to be back with you guys. Uh, thank you, Pastor Fred and Kristen, uh, for your heart. We love the heart of this house. We love your guys' hearts after God and the heart after uh, the people that God has called to be his. Amen? And so your, your, your whole Reach One theme is, is our heart. Uh, my wife and I, my wife is here uh, holding it down with the little ones. We have another one downstairs. And so my wife, we love you. Thank you so much, babe, uh, for being with us. Amen? So I'm going to jump right into it because Pastor said I only had about an hour and 45 minutes to preach today. Two hours and 45 minutes, sorry. So I'm going to jump right into it, but before I get into it, I want to tell you this story that I read the other day, and I think it's really great. So there was this, uh, this kid, and he was like a teenager. Anybody got teenagers in here? Wave at me if you got a teenager. We're going to pray extra hard for y'all. I get it. I get it. So uh, anyway, this teenager, he's outside in his driveway. He's playing basketball, and, and he's shooting around having a good old time, and he goes up for this layup. And as he does it, he comes down, his contact falls out of his eye. And so he's like looking around everywhere for uh, this contact lens, and he can't find it. Finally, after like 30 seconds, he gives up. How many of you know teenagers are fickle? Amen? He gives up. After about 30 seconds, he goes inside. He's like, Mom, we got a problem. I lost my contact. Can you set up an appointment? Because I need to get some new ones. And Mom's like, mm, okay, let me go out there and have a look. Mom's out there. And sure enough, how many of you know Mom finds the contact lens, right? So... She comes back inside, and she's like, here's your contact, and uh, he's like, I don't understand, how did, how did you find that? I looked, I looked everywhere for it, I looked like a whole 30 seconds for it, and the moms looked at him and just very directly said, son, you and I were looking for two different things. You were looking for a piece of plastic, I was looking for $150. <laughs> right? So, it's, it's comical, but I think there's a lot of truth to that, because the, the value you place on something will determine the effort in which you seek to attain that thing. You, you get me? The kid looked at it as a piece of plastic. The mom looked at it like, oh, this is going to hurt my bank account. Right? And how many you know when it comes to your bank account, we get pretty serious about that, right? So today I ask you, whatever it is that you need from God, what value do you place on it? What value do you place on your healing today? What value do you place on your freedom today? What value do you place on salvation today? If it's just a piece of plastic to you, then you'll probably walk out of here the same way that you walked into it. But if you place a value on that thing, let me tell you, because of the cross, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, it's available to you today. Right? It's not because you wanted it bad enough. It's because Jesus paid enough for it. You hear me? 
And the whole thing about following Jesus, the whole thing about receiving these promises of God, the Bible says that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, right? And we obtain those things by faith, by grabbing hold of them, by saying, this is the truth for me, and I'm going to begin to walk in it. And I really believe that today is the day that some of us may begin to walk. Amen? Amen. So uh, I'm going to jump right into it. We're going to look at two passages today. Uh, I know you're probably like nervous, it's like you're going to talk about two stories, but I'm going to be quick on both of them. The first passage I'm going to look at is it's really an extension of what your church already does. You're already a church who goes after the one, who goes after those who are hurting, who goes after those. And and I'm just going to kind of affirm what you're already doing, not so much to tell you what you need to do, but to tell you what to keep on doing. Amen? And the second half will be more specifically to you as an individual as opposed to like the the body. Amen? Make sense? All right, so Mark chapter 2, we see a story here. Uh, And it says this, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. And Luke, in Luke's account of this, he adds here, and the power of the Lord was present to heal the sick. The power of the Lord was present to heal the sick that day. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered this man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, faith, not their faith. Anybody seen a faith before? Never seen one of those. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. It's the greatest thing Jesus could say to us. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home, or begin to walk. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers. onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this. Luke wraps it up this way. We have seen remarkable things today. And that's been my prayer about my time coming up here, is that today we would walk out of this place saying, we have seen remarkable things today. Do you believe Jesus will do that today for us? Amen. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word, God. It's just uh, so powerful. And so we just pray now the simplest of prayers. Father, help. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to talk today about strongholds, satanic strongholds and God's freedom. Now, whenever we hear strongholds, we pretty much sum it up in like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Amen? So strongholds are a little bit different than that. So I'm going to give you a definition here that we can kind of go upon. A stronghold is any sin that becomes a part of our lifestyle. It's any action, attitude, relationship, or substance that hinders our relationship with God and others. Now, a lot of times it's easy if you've been in church a while or been around a while. It's easy to be like, all right, those are the people that deal with that. And I've kind of got my life together. I kind of got things going good for me. But when we widen that gap, the, the Apostle Paul says in Galatians, he says, uh, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. No longer allow yourselves to be bound by slavery. Like, don't allow you, though God has set you free, don't allow the law and religious activity, don't allow other things to come back in your life and begin to take ownership of your life. So a life-controlling issue, a stronghold is anything that really gets in your relation, the way of your relationship with God and with others. Amen? 
So all of us can really think about that. There's attitudes or there's relationships in our lives that, that, that do that. And so I want to use this story almost as like symbolism of what it means to be bound by a stronghold, right? So we know that this man was paralyzed. And I think it's important that I say not every time a person is sick is it directly related to sin, right? It's directly related to the original sin with Adam and Eve, but not every time you get sick is it like, okay, you did something wrong, right? But there are times here in that we see biblically that sin is directly related uh, to a sickness or a disease of some sort. And so today, I just really simply want to use this man's uh, paralyzed state as an example of what it means to be bound by sin. Because how many of you know if you're bound by sin, you're pretty much paralyzed spiritually, right? That's why Hebrews tells us throw off this sin that entangles us, the weight that so weighs us down, right? So we're going to use it in that premise. Everybody with me? All right, here we go. Verse 2, it says, soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door, while he was preaching God's word to them. So one thing that is very important, if we're going to ever help people receive true freedom in Jesus, we have to preach the actual word, right? We have a tendency at time to dumb the word down so it's more like palatable to people. Because how many of you know when, when Jesus says, like, if your hand calls you to sin, cut it off, that's not very palatable, Right? When Jesus says, like, if you want to be part of me, you got to eat my flesh and drink of my blood, that's not very palatable, but that's the truth. The Bible doesn't say it's part of the truth that sets you free. It's the truth that sets you free. The house was packed because Jesus was in there not dumbing down the truth because how many of the world is desperate for truth? All around we see lies. All around we see this craziness going on. But, man, the truth has the power to save people. Amen? I put it down this way. We will never see a full house in heaven preaching half-truths on earth. You with me? If our job is to see heaven filled and hell not filled, we got to preach the full truth, not part of the truth. And, and again, I really am challenging you with this because we cannot dumb down the gospel for people because then it's no longer the gospel. It's the gospel that saves sinners, not a one that we want to receive and is easy for people to grab hold of. Amen? The gospel says what? Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. That's the gospel. Doesn't matter how you feel, it's about the truth, because feelings are suspect, right? Feelings change. I felt like drinking a whole pot of coffee this morning. Praise God, I didn't. I drank half a pot of coffee. Amen? <laughs> I feel like eating a cheeseburger after lunch. Like, feelings change. The truth does not. So we need to preach the full truth. So then verse 3, it goes on to say, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And notice it doesn't say four men named Pastor Fred, Kristen, David, and Seth, right? No, it's four unnamed men. Four men who were willing to not need a title, who were willing to not have their name written in a book, who were willing to just selflessly serve this man who was broken. So to successfully serve people who are bound by strongholds, we must be selfless. We, we can't look at it like, okay, what am I going to get out of serving this person? What am I going to get out of this? And if you notice, they were like the last people to the party here. Probably because they weren't in the big rush with the crowd to just take on past this man who needed a healing, who needed some help, right? They, they were the last ones to show up. We know that because it was full. There was no room for them. So something along the lines, they were like, you know what? I know we might not get in the door here, but I don't care because I'm going to bring this man with me. I'm going to sacrifice what I want so I can take somebody along with me to Jesus today. And if we're going to be city reached and you guys are going to fulfill the mission that God has called you, you need to continue on in doing that. Again, I'm not saying you don't do that, but I'm saying continue on in what you do. Amen? So he goes on to say this, but 
If we're, if we're supposed to be selfless people, there's also a picture of people who aren't very selfless in this story. Verse 4 goes on to say, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they get this man there, they, they sacrifice him themselves, they get this man there, and then they finally get there. It's the actual people in the house with Jesus that stopped the man from getting there. The crowd is what stopped him. May it never be this crowd. We would never, like, not give up a seat for somebody who came in and needed a seat, but spiritually, would we make room for somebody hurting and broken and struggling tonight, today? We need to spiritually make place. It's not like a physical location thing. I'm using what happened physically to, to set a spiritual premise to you here, is to say we need to make room in our lives, in our relationships. We need to make room in this church. We need to make room in our schedules to help people who are hurting if we want to fulfill this mission. So to successfully serve people who are bound by strongholds, we must make room for them. Very simple. We make room for them. So how do we begin to do that? We begin to make room for them by being willing to get messy. How many of you know dealing with people's sin is not a clean, clear-cut thing? It's not like 1 plus 2 equals 12. You know what I'm saying? It's not that straight. It's a joke. You can laugh. It's all good. It's all good. Thank you for the one laugh. Appreciate you. So it, it's not that clear-cut. How many of you know when they took this man to Jesus, they, they're... I don't know what there. There's probably sweating. They get there. They can't get in. So then they take this joker up on the roof, and then they begin to dig. And how many of you know digging a dirt roof will get you dirty? They were willing to get in the mess with this man. And if we're not willing to get in the mess and get in the weeds and get dirty, get our hands dirty, people are going to be walking around Cumberland bound, still trapped. And that's why I love your church, because you're doing this. So keep doing it. So the second thing is it. We make room for people who are bound by strongholds by being willing to have our plans change. Like, they showed up. Jesus showed up to that house that day, and his spirit was there. He was present. He was moving. He was preaching. He was going to have a great service. The people came in, sit just like we're sitting, ready to be amazed at the authority of Jesus, about the wisdom of Jesus. But how many know there were different plans that day? Jesus didn't rebuke them for disrupting his sermon. He actually rewarded them for their faith. You see, and so many times i found in my own life, uh, the opportunities to serve people rarely come on my schedule. The greatest moments of ministry in my life never happen on a scheduled service. Though God can do great things in a scheduled service, it's those times where you get that call where you got like, you got like 15 minutes to be somewhere and you get that call saying, hey, I need like 10 minutes of your time. Can you pray with me? Can you? Those are the times where God will show up the greatest. Allowing our schedules to be interrupted is huge. And I know that's hard because I'm like, a, I'm a bit of, my wife is a planner, y'all. If you want to see a planner, that's a planner. I plan to. Like, I got a schedule. I like to stick to it. But we got to be willing to, to diverge from that at times. Amen? So next time you get that call, instead of hitting the decline button or letting it go to voicemail, pick it up. You hear me? Pick it up. Pick it up. And finally, we make room by doing this. By being willing to do something unorthodox. To see the wild ones saved, we have to be willing to do some wild things. Right? It, it, it's wild to be like, uh, just come to church with me. No, it, it's wild to be like, yo, let me take you to the top of the roof, begin to rip the roof off of it. And then let me like Mission Impossible style drop you down in front of the feet of Jesus. Like, that's craziness if you think about it. But if we begin to do ministry and look at ministry just like inviting somebody to church, though we do that, though it's important, I'm not taken away from that. Hear my heart when I say this. It's important to invite people into the body of Christ. But man, when you're willing to go out, maybe out there where they are and do something different, 
you will see some great power. You'll see some great ministry begin to happen. And I, I, just, I just know this in my own life that, again, God has shown up in power greater ways outside of the church building than he has in the church building in my life. That's in my life. I just hit the microphone. Sorry, guys. That's in my life. Anybody, some of y'all can testify to that. It's like we do see God do great things in the building, but also God, man, God shows up out there. It's that step of faith. So being willing to do something unorthodox. It's unorthodox to rip the roof off. Amen? And then my final point in how we continue on uh, into what God has called this church to be is this. It says, then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child. Luke, in pretty much every other translation, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Don't, don't miss that. This man is still paralyzed. This man has still got sin in his life. This man is still messed up. But Jesus calls him son anyway. So to truly be able to serve people who are bound by strongholds, we must see them as the people Jesus died for them to be. Right? It's easy to see somebody as they are. It takes faith to see somebody as to who they should be who God has called them to be, right? It's easy to see somebody bound by sin and be like, you're just a drug addict, you're just this, you're just that. But it's another thing to be like, no, you're a child of God. You got a call of God on your life. You know, eight years ago, I was strung out in a detox center in Fort Myers, Florida, fresh off a suicide attempt. And God miraculously saved my life. And I'm not gonna get into the details of it because I don't have too much time. But God miraculously saves my life. I'm dead on a bed and God steps in and intervenes. A week later, I'm in a detox center for the fifth time in... Uh, Fort Myers, Florida. And while I'm there, somebody comes in from an organization called Teen Challenge. And he begins to share and begins to talk about how there's freedom found in Jesus and, and this and that. And at the end of the time, he's like, yo, I don't know you, man, but uh, I just feel like God has something for your life. I just feel like, you know, God has a call of God on your life. And we want to help you. We have a free scholarship like program for you. If you want to come into our program, come on in. You know what that man did? That man, he didn't know me. The whole world saw me as a drug addict in detox, again, failed suicide attempt. This man saw me as Jesus saw me. He saw me as somebody who would be here in Cumberland, Maryland, preaching to you about the freedom found in Jesus Christ. Amen? Because he did that. He was a man who was like, yo, I see a call of God in your life, and I'm not just going to like pigeonhole you into this, but no, God has great things for your life, and he saw me as a son. As a son. And if we don't see people as who Jesus died for them to be, we'll be content walking past them like the whole crowd did. The whole crowd walked across, past that paralyzed man, don't you think? But there was four men who were like, no, that's a son. That's a son. That's a son. That's a daughter of God. And so these are the things that we, you as a church, we as the body of Christ, need to continue to, to press on in, to serve people. We need to see them as Jesus saw them. We got to be willing to get messy and we got to make room for them. All right. Them meaning all of us, because we were all at one point or are still in that place. Amen. So I, I told you we have two passages. That's kind of like the, the call to the body, this house and the body of Christ as a whole. But I would never like think about coming and talking about freedom found in Christ without giving people in this room opportunity to find freedom in Christ themselves. Right. Because some of us might be like, yeah, this sounds good and great, but I can't even get over my own stronghold in my own life. And so, uh, man, as I've been talking and, and thinking through some of this stuff, uh, I'm sure God and the Spirit of God has been speaking to your heart about it. And is there anything in your life? Just wave at me if you know something God is speaking to you that you need to overcome through His grace. Just wave at me if you have something in your mind, because I don't want to talk to just no blank minds today. 
Cool. So you all are with me. So I'm going to set this up, and we're going to talk through a little bit of this, and then we're going to spend some time just in prayer together and seeking the face of God. Because how many know it's, it's good to do that? I can sit up here and I can talk to you all I want, but how many know getting in the face of God together, seeking the face of God together, will do some great things. Amen? So Mark 5, we see a story. I'm probably not going to read the whole thing because uh, I do want to spend some, some time going after God together. So verse, uh, verse 1 says here, So they arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasene. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, bowed low before him. With a shriek he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirits. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside of this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again to not send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man, entered the pigs, and the entire herd, about 2,000 pigs, plunged down the steep hillside in the lake and drowned in the water. So, and then it goes on to share about how kind of Jesus wrapped up that time of ministry. But verse 2 says something really, really interesting here. It says, when Jesus climbed out of the boat, most translations right after that say immediately. Immediately. So, in other words, when Jesus shows up on the scene and this man has the opportunity to get freedom, he didn't just say, well, let me just uh, lollygag on over there. Let me just wait till I get my life right and then I'll go get with Jesus, right? He says, no, immediately this man took off after Jesus because he saw an opportunity to get free and he didn't waste time caring about what people thought about him. He went and he got free. So he immediately, he took off. It says, immediately the man he was, uh, was possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him and this man lived in the burial caves. He could no longer be restrained even with a chain. So this man sees Jesus he doesn't waste time. He takes off to Jesus, and then the story goes on to tell us a little bit more about his context. He's living amongst the burial cave, which we could say he was making his dwelling amongst dead things. And I'll tell you this. As a premise and a principle for freedom, if you lay with death, you will receive death. If you lay with death, you will receive death. Be careful where we make our dwelling. If we want to be people who are set free by the power of Christ, we can't go live in places of bondage. You know what I don't do? I'm going to go hang out at the trap house. I'm serious. I, I don't go hang out at the bar. Not that there, you know, I think that there's opportunity for ministry. I think all that is good. But I don't make my dwelling amongst dead things. Because when you do that, you will get death. It, it, it's kind of simple when you think about it. But so many times we don't think about it. We just do it, and let me say this another way. Be careful what you allow on your devices. Hello? Be, be careful what your social media is looking like. And this is a great tool for some of us today. You know how you can control your social media? Three buttons, unfollow. Three buttons, unfollow. Three buttons, unfollow. I, I know it sound, it's like kind of making a joke out of this, but it's true. 
So many times our social media will take us places where we got no business being, and then here we are bound and trapped again. Why? Because we made our dwelling amongst dead things on our social media feeds. And it takes us down this hole that we got no business. Three dots, unfollow. Say it with me. Three dots, Three dots. Unfollow. unfollow. And then your feed is full of soccer, Jesus, and food. Right? That's it. Three dots, unfollow. Don't make your dwelling amongst dead things. Be careful what you're listening to. I know it sounds crazy. I know I sound like the annoying youth pastor, but if your top 10 on your Apple Music or Spotify is like Lil Uzi Vert and all this nonsense, what do you expect to get out of your life? Seriously, what are we filling our minds with is what you will get. That's what you're going to get. So don't make your dwelling amongst dead things. Friends' company matters as well. Let me say this. Who you hang out with obviously matters too. I'm not saying you don't hang out with people who don't know Jesus. I'm saying if those people who don't know Jesus are influencing you more than you are influencing them, don't hang out with them. If you don't have the the strength and and the, the grace of God in this season of your life to be the one who is influencing that group of people, don't hang out with them. I, don't have, I have a lot of people who I used to be friends with that I'm not friends with anymore. And that's just the reality of it. Because if I were to be with them, I probably wouldn't be here preaching today. I'd probably be in some crack house in West Baltimore. Fair? Verse 4 says, Whenever he put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped them from his wrist and smashed the shackles. So this man is bound and trapped by Satan himself, right? Whether it's our practical, our flesh, whether it's uh, the culture around us. You know, the Bible says that we, you know, these, these things are the rest of the Satan, the flesh, and the world. These are the, the places that we have to do spiritual battle in. But it says, as he was dealing with this stuff, it says that, Every time that he began to, like, get this thing subdued or they would subdue him, the shackles were broken. It reminds me a whole lot of the things that we do to try to stop sinning. You ever tried to stop sinning on your own? Come on, some of y'all have. Y'all be real with me today, please. Thank you. I remember I thought I would die a drug addict. I did everything. I did the AA. I did the 12 steps. I got a sponsor. I went to detox. I did it all. Trying to figure it out. Some of y'all have put covenant eyes on your phone and put these different filters on your phones to try and help you overcome this area in your life and nothing is working. I know that feeling of hopelessness. I I know I lived that feeling of hopelessness for eight years, guys. I lived that, not being able to stop, trying everything. And this man was in that same place. And then it goes on to say that no one was strong enough to subdue him. And I came to tell you in Cumberland, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Freedom is possible. There was one man, right? Jesus steps on the scene and this man gets free. In his own strength, putting his own shackles on, trying to subdue it himself, it was impossible. But with God, Bible says, all things are So that means freedom is possible. That means you don't have to go through the cycle of, of getting set free, finding a couple weeks of freedom or a couple months of freedom and then relapsing into whatever behavior, relationship, attitude, substance it is and then dealing with the guilt and shame and then coming all the way back to Jesus and starting over and then finding a few more. No, real freedom, complete freedom is found in Jesus and it's possible in Jesus. The cycle of sin is not your lot. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Don't allow yourself to be bound again. Amen? So, freedom is possible. And uh, if I could get the band to join me now, that'd be great. 
which is a good sign for you guys. Amen? Just an hour, yeah. Wrapping it up here. Uh, about an hour and a half. Verse 6 says, do you think that uh, we could, during the response time, go into the build my life bridge? Thanks. So verse 6 says, when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him and ran to meet him. Now, let me do it this way. So Pastor Fred is Jesus, obviously, right? 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 Let me say this. Never trust a preacher who makes himself Jesus in a sermon illustration. Amen? <laughs> Wave at me if you agree with that. Thank you. So Pastor Fred is Jesus, and I'm the crazed demoniac guy, right? So he's over here, and he sees Jesus. And remember, the Bible said immediately, it says he runs to meet Pastor Fred slash Jesus. So, so what was he doing? He was closing the gap between him and Jesus. And spiritually speaking, if Jesus is over there and you're over here, how could you ever walk in freedom? You can't walk in, you walk in freedom when you're in Jesus. This man was out of Jesus. Freedom is found in Jesus. So he closed the gap in his relationship with Jesus. And nine times out of ten, I'll tell you this, people who are not walking in freedom is because they don't even do their devotions in the morning. I'm sorry. I know it's like, it, it's not that difficult to figure out this faith journey out, guys. It's really not because Jesus understood we're not that smart. Some of you guys are smarter than me for sure. But it's not that difficult. Like every person that I have found who found freedom in Christ and then relapsed is because they stopped doing the things that they found freedom in the first place. It's really simple. If you just keep that relationship with God close, if you close the distance between you and God, you will walk in a continued freedom, not a cycle of sin and freedom and sin and freedom and sin and freedom and sin and freedom. Freedom is available today. So Jesus is some distance away. He, he runs over to meet him. And then it says this, and he bowed low before him. He, he humbled himself. He, he, he saw freedom. He closed the gap. And then he got low before him. He was like, I can't do it on my own. We've tried shackles. We've tried covenant eyes. We've tried program after program after program. We've tried it all. And nothing brings freedom. So finally, he got to the place where he bowed his knee before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If you won't bow your knee, you will never bow your heart. You will not bow your knee you will never bow your heart. And with an unsubmitted heart to God, you will not find freedom. Freedom's found in Jesus, not in your own strength. Freedom's found in Jesus. Again, this isn't just drugs. This isn't just alcohol. This isn't just sex or pornography. This is for relationships. This is for attitudes. This is behaviors that are hindering your walk with God. So he, he runs to God. He bows before him. It's kind of like the Bible says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you, right? He took that step to get close to Jesus. And then it says this, with a shriek, he screamed. I can only imagine what a shriek sounds like. But it must have been a moment of freedom that happened. He goes on to say this, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion because there are many of us. I'm not going to get sidetracked into legion and all this. I know people get a little out of control and be like, who are you, demon? And I think there might be a place for that. But today, let me just say this. Verbalizing your stronghold is necessary. Anything hidden cannot be healed. If you're living a life of secrecy 
and it's a secret area in your life, you're never gonna find freedom in it because it's still secret. If you don't reveal it, it cannot be healed. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he says, identify yourself, legion. He leads, what is it in your life? What's that secret thing in your life where you need deliverance from, where you've been trying to figure it out on your own until you get with the body of Christ? That's why the Bible says, confess your sins one to another. There's power in that confession to one another. You know, it, it's not a condemning thing to be like, oh, you sinned in this way, so now I'm not going to let you lead the worship. Not you sinned in this way, now you can't do it. No, it's we love you, and we want to help you walk in freedom. We want to help you answer the call of God on your life. The Bible says that men didn't love the light because of fear that their dark deeds might be exposed, right? So, while I've been speaking, you guys know exactly the places and areas in your life that you need victory in. Mark 4 comes before Mark 5. Imagine that. Pretty cool, right? Mark 4 verse 1 says this. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore, and a very large crowd gathered around him. So he got in the boat, and he sat there, and the people remained on shore. So Jesus begins to teach against this giant crowd, right? This is right before we see him in verse 35 say, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat, verse 35 of Mark 4 says, leaving the crowds behind, but a fierce storm came up, high waves were breaking in the boat, and it began to fill with water. And Jesus was sleeping. So Jesus is on a mission to set one man free. He left the 99, he left the crowd, to reach the one. He goes across the lake and while Jesus is leaving the crowd to get to that one person, and let me say this to you, each and every one of you today are the one. Each and every one of you today are the one. Though you're in a crowd, you're the one. Not the person next to you, but you are the one. He leaves the crowd and while Jesus is going to set this one man free, Satan sends a storm. He tries to sink that boat. Why? Because there's always gonna be demonic opposition to your deliverance Satan doesn't want you free because if Satan doesn't get you free I'm not if Satan doesn't if Jesus doesn't set me free Satan still got me bound I'm not here preaching freedom to you guys today you see there's a call of God on each and every one of your lives and G Satan would have nothing more than you today to allow the freedom of God to be stopped and the only way that happens is if we allow that to happen right Jesus was sleeping he wasn't scared that Satan was trying to stop this man's deliverance Jesus knew exactly what he had to do this, Satan couldn't stop it. And today, I declare in Jesus' name, he can't stop it in your life. You can allow it, but he can't stop it. So how does it stop for you today? The first one is this, pride. Pride would stop us. That's why this man had to come to Jesus and bow before him. He had to come to him and say, God, I can't do it on my own. Your pride says you can do it on your own. Pride says, I got this. No, you don't got this. Jesus has this, and he did this already. So pride would stop you today saying, I'm just going to continue trying to figure it out. I got a good plan. So many times I hear people, oh, this is my plan. It's like, that's cool. Submit your plans to God. Submit your plans to God. There are many of the plans of man's heart, but it's the Lord's plans that prevail. Amen? So pride would stop it. Secrecy would stop it. We already talked about this. If you're walking in this life and you're still living a life of secrecy, man, there's people in this room, there's leaders, there's pastors in this room who love you enough to receive what your struggle is, not judge you, right? Because we understand that dealing with strongholds is messy. We, we get that. We, we've done it. We've been there. So it's not a judgment thing in any ways. We want to help you. So if you continue to live a life of secrecy, you'll remember to walk out of this place bound. 
You're going to walk out the same way. And then finally, uh, it's fear of man. So many times we get worried about what people think about. And these are specific things that I feel like hold people back from finding freedom. And I'll leave us with this, and then I'll take us into a time of just, uh, just seeking God. Jesus leaves the crowd for the one, right? He, he leaves the crowd to reach the one. You are the one. He crossed the lake for this man's freedom, but he put himself on a cross for yours. He crossed the lake for one man's freedom. He put himself on a cross for your freedom. Are you with me today? So let's stand with me. Stand with me. Come on. We're going to go into a time of just seeking God together. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. So we're going to spend a couple minutes just worshiping God together. And uh, on the count of three, if you just need a touch from God in your life, we're going to be here to pray with you. If you just need to get alone by God on the side over here, then do it. We'll have some people over here to pray with you. If you just want to get with God here. But if you need a touch from God today, I want you here seeking the face of God. If you're not coming forward, I want you to intercede like that. It's you who need a touch from God. Amen? On the count of three, go. One, two, three, go. Come on. Let's go after Jesus. Come on.
There is no one like you There is none beside you Open up my eyes in wonder And show me who you are And fill me with your heart And lead me in your love To those around me And holy, there is no one like you There is none beside you Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart. Lead me. You know, freedom is only possible because Jesus loved you so much that he would take himself voluntarily to the cross for you. At any point, he could have abandoned the process, but he loved you so much that he would see himself through. You see, the sin is what separated us, and Jesus was like, no, we need to get that right. And he did that by living a perfect life, coming to earth as a baby, living a perfect life for you and I, the very Son of God, fully God, fully man. And he said, I'm going to put myself on that cross because sin had to be dealt with. And it was dealt with once and for all, finally, by Jesus. So he put himself on that cross. He's died. He's buried. But how many of you know that joker didn't stay dead? Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, proving that he's the Son of God, proving that he has authority over death, that he is life. Who is, I am the resurrection and the life of the claims he made on earth, and he proved it. And so now, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, man, freedom will not be possible until you accept that relationship with Jesus. The Bible is very clear that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you shall be saved. And so, man, those of you who are at the altar, continue to press in. But those of you who are maybe just sitting back and watching it, if you're not right with Jesus, man, just, just have a look at me. Wave at me right here. Today's the day of salvation, the Bible says. Anybody need to get right with Jesus today? Today's your day. Maybe you've walked away from Jesus and you're saying, man, it's time to come back to Jesus. Today's the day. Anybody? So everybody in this place is good with Jesus. Amen? Praise God. Pastor Fred and the team are doing a great job then. Amen? Amen. So let me say this last thing to you. Let me say this last thing to you. Those of you again at the altar keep pressing in. At the end of this story, Mark 5, I didn't read it, I'm going to read it to you right now. It says, verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who was demon-possessed begged to go with him, but Jesus said no. No, which is crazy to think about. Why would Jesus say, no, you can't come with me? Well, this is why. He says, go home to your family, tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region, began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed at what he told him. You see, struggling with strongholds is a sign that there's a call of God on your life. If you was not a call of God on your life, Satan would let you just keep on going. He wouldn't mess with you. So Jesus, no, you can't come with me because I have something very specific for you to do. Now that you've been set free, you're getting set on mission because free people, free people. Come on. So if you're free today, wave at me. Now, if you're free, your mission is to now go free people. And so raise your hands, and I'm going to pray that God will give you supernatural insight into what exactly he's calling you. He had an exact mission for this man to go reach the ten towns. What is your mission today? What is your mission today? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that your servants are here, your servants are listening, and when you speak, they will obey. 
So Spirit of God, begin to speak, God. I thank you that you're beginning to call people who are to serve this church in a deeper way. You're beginning to call people to give of their lives financially, to give of their time sacrificially in prayer, calling people even to go, to leave the life that they have built here, to go and to set people free. So God, speak now. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Amen. And amen. Hey, can we just do like one more song of celebration? We got time. I'm pretty sure. Is that okay? Wave, nod at me. Come on, let's go. Again. Give you our all. Give you our all. Take all of us, Lord. You. 